0: Today we're starting 1 Kings. The book starts by introducing Abishag who was the uh, young girl who was brought in to be David's nurse and lay with him because he was cold all the time so she would uh, lay in his bed and and serve him and, and do that sort of thing and keep him warm and um and she's very beautiful she comes up in the story later but she's very beautiful but there's no cohabitation there and then Adonijah one of the sons of David decides he's going to be king so he starts to exalt himself and getting chariots and horsemen and uh, people running before him much like uh, Absalom and he gets uh, Joab uh, who's the commander and also Abiathar the priest uh, are in on this this idea that he's going to be king and David never reprimands him for it. But Zadok the priest, Benaiah, uh, Nathan the prophet, Shimei, Re, and the mighty men um, did not go with Adonijah. And so one day Adonijah decides to ha- do a sacrifice and he invites um, all his brothers except for Solomon and he invites a lot of the uh, leading men of judah king's servants but he does not invite nathan or benaiah and then nathan comes and speaks to bathsheba who's the mother of solomon saying have you not heard that adonijah the son of haggith has become king and david our lord does not know it so now come please let me give you counsel and save your life so he starts to develop a plan with bathsheba in order to help make solomon king So he tells Bathsheba to go in and say, uh, King, David, uh, didn't you say Solomon's going to be king? And then he's going to rush in right as she's saying this. And uh, so Bathsheba explains the situation to David and says, look, the whole nation of Israel is looking to you to see who's going to be king. If you don't say anything, then basically Solomon and I will be killed and uh, your other son will be king. What do you want to do? And then Nathan rushes in. And he asked in point blank, Adonijah shall be king, uh, sorry, my lord the king, have you said, Adonijah shall be king after me, and shall sit on my throne? For he has gone today, and has sacrificed oxen, fatling sheep, and invited all the king's sons, Abirathar the priests, and behold, they are eating and drinking before him, and they say, long live king Adijan. Sorry, Adonijah. Uh, but but me, I'm your servant here, and Zadok the priest, and Benaiah, the son of Jehoda, your servant Solomon, has not been invited. Has this thing been done by my lord the king? So David calls Bathsheba and says, Just as I vowed to you, Solomon shall be king, so it will be. And so David says, Call Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoda. And so they came into the king's presence and says, put Solomon on my mule, and and, bas- and go and let Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, anoint him king over Israel, and blow the trumpets, and basically just make Solomon king. So they do this, and then all the people are celebrating so loudly that word gets back to adam And Joab's wondering what's going on, and then Jonathan, son of Abiathar, comes in and says, our Lord David has made Solomon king. So he describes the people that are all with solomon and the fact that solomon is now sitting on the throne so here while adonijah is declaring himself king he's kind of you know he's outside <laughs> and solomon's sitting on the throne and he says the king himself has bowed to to solomon and his retainers are saying may solomon's kingdom be greater than yours and david's okay with all this so all adonijah's guests are terrified because now they're you know they're complicit in revolt, basically, and so they all kind of sneak away and you know disperse. and Adonijah is terrified of Solomon, and he goes into the uh, tabernacle and the, grabs the hold of the uh, the horns of the altar, and word comes back to Solomon that Adonijah is scared of him, and uh, saying, "Let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death with the sword." So Solomon says, if he is a worthy man, not one of his hairs will fall to the ground. But if wickedness is found in him, he will die. So Solomon sent and they brought him uh, down from the altar and he came and prostrated himself before King Solomon and Solomon said, go to your house. And then we move on to the second chapter. And so this chapter starts with David making his charge to Solomon. And Solomon is um, in many ways typical of many of the people of God throughout the Bible but he's also more dramatically so. And then he starts off great. And then he turns terrible later on in his reign. He just, his heart turns away from God. And so he's just blessed in 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 the beginning when he's grateful and worshiping God, but he becomes prideful. He becomes about himself and his flesh and just his own ways and uh, gets totally corrupted. So he's a, he, he's a wonderful cautionary tale for us that, uh, um, as God, and and this is true. I mean, you see this in individuals, you see this in the nation of Israel, you see this in God's people today. I mean, this is just the most common story in fallen man that when we're desperate and hungry, we call out to God, we worship God. Um, it's, it's easy because we're desperate and he blesses us but then as we become blessed he wants us to to continue to follow him so that it's a father raising a son and that the son grows into the fullness of all that's good in the father in this case God and that's that's his plan that's his desire but then too often again and again what fallen man does is says well look how great I am and turns off into his own ways And then God has to, God has to, you know, bring that one down and and start over again. So anyways, we see that big time in Solomon. Solomon is blessed here by David. He says, look, God has made big promises to me and you are to fulfill them. And he says, I'm going the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man. Keep the charge of the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his testimonies, according to what is written in the law of Moses, that you may succeed in all that you do and wherever you turn, so that the Lord may carry out his promise which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons are careful of their way, to walk before me in truth, with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. And he and he keeps going in details, but the, so this is just a a, a wonderful truth, and uh, and Solomon does start out well, but uh, then then he gets into scheming. Uh, David doesn't want to. I mean, I, I don't know how David thinks that this is good or okay. They were big into technicalities back then, and Jesus called out the people of Israel for this um, because they would try to get by. They would try to get by in the idea that they're a good person because and. I, I remember, especially in my youth, I was uh, I, I was pretty good at this. Saying I was honest because what I said was technically true. Um, this, is, um, this is this is this is a big time thing in Israel, and um, and that you see it here in the heart of David, where he's saying basically, I would I, I promise not to kill these people. I mean, in some cases, I don't think he even promised. But I didn't kill these people, but now I want you to kill these people. About Joab, he says, Act according to your wisdom. So it kind of sounds like he's putting it in Solomon's uh, hands. But then he says, Don't let his gray hair go down to Sheol, which means kill him before he's old. Be nice to the sons of uh, Barzillai, And then Shimei, who's the one who mocked him and threw rocks, um, you know, take take care of him. And then tells us David dies, and David reigned 40 years, 7 in Hebron, 33 in Jerusalem. And Solomon sits on his throne and he's firmly established. You know, he's got a powerful kingdom already and he's going to make it far more powerful. Now, Adonijah decides to press his luck and he approaches Bathsheba. And so he he, he basically says, "You know, I was going to be king," but then, you know, tables turned, Solomon became king, and so why don't you do me a favor and ask Solomon to give me Abishag, who was the nurse of David in his old age, um, because Solomon won't refuse you. And uh, you know, he's pressing his luck, as I said. So Bathsheba goes to Solomon, she's, I guess, excited about her new power, perhaps and she's probably more powerful as mother of the king than she was of one of the wives of the king. And um and then so, you know, Solomon's happy to see his mom come into the throne room. He sets up a throne for her, and she asks this request, and he says, "I will not refuse you." And Solomon says, "Why why not just ask me to hand my kingdom over to him? He's my older brother." Why and Even for him, for Abiathar, the priest, for Joab, why don't I just hand the kingdom over to them? And then Solomon swears, May God do so to me and more. Also, if Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life. So he says, I'm going to kill Adonijah today. And and he had warned Adonijah, so I I don't know why Adonijah's being... I mean, he's still a king's son. He's still a prince. Surely there are other girls in the world that he could have gone after. But uh, anyways, so Solomon decides to uh, kill him. So Solomon uh, dismisses Abiathar, says he deserved to die, but he, because he served God and, and his father David uh, well for most of his life, that he's not going to kill him. And so he sends him, um, you know, back to Back to his own land. And, and this fulfills, as a, I guess as a son of Eli, this fulfills the word of the Lord uh, concerning Eli and Shiloh. And then he executes Joab, who had not followed Absalom, but did follow Adonijah. And Joab knows he's going to get killed, so he also flees to the altar to the, in the tabernacle. And so King Solomon finds out about this. And so Benay came comes to uh, I'm sure I pronounce these differently each time I, I don't I come up with my own pronunciations so I'm sure the uh, seminary crowd would has different uh, pronunciations but uh, uh, he goes to get him he he doesn't want to kill the guy in the tabernacle uh, and so he goes back to Solomon Solomon says just go ahead and do it so he does. It was apparently a bloody business being at the upper levels of power in his days. Joab, as far as I read, for the most part during his life was incredibly loyal to David and incredibly effective in his work for David. But there's a couple ways in which he turned against David, and, and uh, you know, at least one of them was pretty severely uh, disobedient. And, uh, and it, anyways, it, it comes down on him here. And so Benaiah becomes uh, becomes head over the army, and Zadok the uh, the high priest. And then they go to execute Shimei, although he actually does it in a different way. He gives Shimei a chance to live. Um, he tells him that go build a house for yourself in Jerusalem and do not leave there. And it, but if you leave there, then you're going to die. If you leave, you know, if you cross the stream of the Kidron Valley, um, which is the kind of the valley between you know, now it's just part of Jerusalem, that whole area. But in those days, Jerusalem was on one hill, then the Kidron Valley, and then the Mount of Olives on the other side. So you can, it's it's not far. You can sit on one and you just look across at the other. Um, and, and so now it's just all Jerusalem. And, but back then it was a smaller town. And so that was, that marked the edge of the town basically. And um, he said, you're not allowed to leave. And if you do, you'll die. And so Shimei says, this is good and fair. I will do it. But three years later, he has a couple servants uh, who run away from him. And uh, he, he decides to go get him. He saddles a donkey and it was, word gifts back to Solomon. And Solomon says, well, I gave you a chance, but now you'll die. And the, the uh, chapter ends with the fact that the kingdom was established in the hands of Solomon. And then we move on to chapter three. And here Solomon starts his many marriages uh, with uh, foreign kings in order to form alliances. So here we already, and Solomon hasn't even had his amazing uh, kind of time with the Lord that's coming up, but here already he's turning his heart away from God because God said not to marry foreigners and to trust in him. Solomon instead decides to marry a foreigner and trust in the, the power of the marriage to the daughter of the foreigner to keep peace with, with the uh, foreign nations, and in this case Egypt. And I've heard a really interesting uh, theory that uh, the, the, he, he got the help of the Egyptians to build um, his own house and uh, the temple, and, and particularly, I won't we'll get into the theory about the temple's pretty fascinating theory, <laughs> but uh, but anyways, um, that's obviously extra-biblical, but it was an interesting theory, and it, if you read the order that these things are happening, um, it certainly might be true. And then it tells us, you know, and, and this is the first of many kings of Israel that does this, but it says, uh, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father, David, except he sacrificed and burned incense in the high places. So they were not to do this, and yet they, they did it anyways. In the great high place was Gibeon. So Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings at the altar there, and in Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon. So this is the it's a famous dream. And he, God says, ask what you wish me to give you, and Solomon says, you were you were great and wonderful, loving, kindness, righteousness, all towards my father. And you let him, uh, you know, in, in mighty ways. But here I am. I am. He's basically saying, I'm not worthy to be king. How am I supposed to have the wisdom in order to be a righteous king to all these people? How am I supposed to know which way to go, what to do? And so he says, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people to discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours so it's interesting because you remember adam and eve chose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and yet solomon is very aware at this point he's incredibly wise in, in this interaction with god and he's he knows that even though man has decided to eat of this tree he still does not he has an earthly knowledge of good and evil he doesn't have true wisdom from the Lord and he wants true wisdom of the Lord in order to be a godly king in order to serve both God and man and so he says God I need your help for this give me this kind of wisdom and God loves this he, he thinks this is wonderful he says because you have not asked for a long life or riches or you haven't asked for you know your enemies to be killed but you've asked for discernment, to understand justice. Behold, I will give it to you, and I will give you these other things too. And showing, God doesn't want to keep anything from us, but only the, those the carnal things that we might want are always secondary to the spiritual growth and maturity, wisdom, love, truth that he wants to grow in us. So he quite often will take away the other in order to make us mature. Um, he's not against the other; it's just those things are supplementary. And he's, you know, you can see here in Solomon, he's, he's totally willing to give those things as long as the first, the most important thing is given. Solomon had understanding of what was most important, and said God said, "I'm going to give it all to you." Because in reality, riches, long life successes those things in the end don't matter what does matter is God's way God's life being propagated through people for the fulfillment of his purpose the glory of God on earth and through people that's we were made to worship him and to take on his nature and to bring about his glory in the earth and that's what's important nothing else is is important and uh but when we do that you know he other other things can come so long as they're not uh primary so hopefully that's an obvious rebuke to the um the uh, what do they call it prosperity gospel people that that think God wants everyone to be rich that's ridiculous that's God is uh, might call somebody to be poor their whole life, and he be the mightiest man of God ever. Um, it's it it's it it's kind of irrelevant. Although he does call some people to be rich in order to use uh, riches, but those are always secondary to the maturity in the Lord, to the wisdom and love and truth uh, in a person. That's what's important. So God says to David, there will not be any other king like you. And uh, if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and commandments as your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. And Solomon wakes up and realizes it was a dream, and he's standing before the Ark of the Covenant. He offers burnt offerings and sacrifices, makes a feast, and you know he's feeling incredibly blessed at this time. And then here's the famous story of Solomon showing his wisdom, you know, at work. And the two harlots come into him, and that one of them they had each had a baby at about the same time, but one of them died in the night, and so that one took the other one. She, you know, switched the baby so that when, then you know, everyone woke up in the morning, her she had the living baby, and the other woman who had no idea this was going on had the dead baby, and so they come in and they both say the baby's mine, not hers, and. Solomon says, well, you you know, you're just disagreeing. He says, I tell you what, we're going to bring a sword. We're going to cut the baby in half and give you each half the baby. Well, the one woman who's really her baby says, no, 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 <laughs> don't kill the baby. Give her the baby. And the other woman says, yes, neither neither of us shall have that baby. So split the baby. And so Solomon knows that the true mother would not want her baby killed. So that's the true mother. So he gives her the baby and all the kingdom is... Uh, is in awe of his wisdom and you know so there's a fear of god and fear of the king amongst the people and then we move on to chapter four and this chapter starts just telling us kind of how he had set up his administration who his high officials were how he set up the uh, the the management of his household but between 12 deputies among the different tribes and they were responsible each for one month of taking care of the king and all the officials and then it starts telling us just how, how wonderfully blessed uh, Judah and Israel were. They had a, a tremendous abundance. Everybody's eating and drinking and rejoicing. And Solomon ruled over lots of kingdoms. Uh, not not just Judah and Israel. Uh, he ruled from the Euphrates to the Philistines to Egypt. Um, all the. Uh, to the border of Egypt, not not the Egyptians. And so all these people are bringing him tribute, so he becomes incredibly wealthy. And it details all that, which you can read for yourself. And, And God gave Solomon incredible wisdom and discernment. And so he had understanding. He gave him knowledge. He had understanding of all kinds of things. It specifically mentioned he was, you know, he was more wise than... The people of the east, so this would be like uh, Babylon or Persia, and the and people of the west, like Egypt, you know, these are great kingdoms, so they had wise men. When you're a, a small kingdom, people are worried about eating, but as a kingdom gets more powerful, they get more and more people who can just focus on thinking. So these people were famous, these areas were famous for having wise men, and, and Solomon was known and famous for being wiser than any of them. And he spoke 3,000 proverbs and 1,005 songs, He understood uh, all about biology, all about the trees, the animals, the birds, the fish. Um, People came from far and wide to hear the wisdom of Solomon. All the kings of the earth uh, heard of his wisdom. And that's the end of this chapter. Uh, God bless you.